Now, we're studying tonight in Philippians chapter 3, so I hope you'll go there in Philippians chapter 3. Last week, we ended up with, with verse number 10, where Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, he said, that I may know him. Boy, what a desire that ought to be. You can know a lot about people, but it's different from getting to know them personally. Can I tell you that Jesus wants to know you, have, a, have, that, have that type of relationship with you? He knows all about you, but he knows you personally. But do you know him? Now, that begins with salvation. We know that, but it also begins with a walk. It's not just relationship, but it's fellowship. I've read a lot of great books in my life. And, and I, I, I know, I've read the three-volume set by Edmund Morris on Teddy Roosevelt. I know a lot about Teddy Roosevelt. He's one of my favorite people in American history, but I don't know him personally. So we can sometimes settle for knowing a lot about Jesus and reading and memorizing facts about Jesus, but we don't really know him in the intimate fellowship that this verse is talking about. So look with me, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. And it says there, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Now there's that word, the fellowship of his sufferings. We don't like that, do we? We want the Christian life to be, we want the Christian life to be all roses and, and, uh, and good times and blessings. And it is in so many ways, but, but Jesus talked to us about suffering, did he not? And so he says there, verse 11, If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that uh, I may apprehend that, uh, I follow after that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, verse 13, this is significant, look at it. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, for this one thing I do, Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, I have not, I have not apprehended. Let me tell you what Paul's saying. Paul is saying, I have not yet arrived. I'm not, I'm not at the place where I, I want to be or I'm going to be in my Christian life. Paul said, I still have a journey ahead of me. Have you ever met somebody that, that acted as though they had already arrived you know, I've arrived. I'm, I'm, where, I'm exactly where I need to be as a Christian. And uh, they act as though there's, there's no more room for growth. They, they know everything. They've got all the knowledge and all, all the, the uh, insight into the Christian life. And, and there's, a, there's an arrogance to that that appeals to the flesh. But I want to tell you, it's repulsive to the Spirit. Let me, let me say this to you. In my years of teaching, one of the things I would say to teachers when I would speak at, at a group of, uh, a gathering of, of teachers in, in school where I, I taught, I, I would make this comment, when you stop being a student, when you feel like as a teacher that you, you're no longer a student and, and you've reached a place to where there's nothing left for you to learn or attain, then you've really lost your credentials to teach because the, 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 the most important thing in a teacher's life is that he remain in the mindset of a student and be continually learning. Paul, the iconic Apostle Paul, says to us here in this verse, I have not arrived. My journey's not over. I'm still growing. I'm still moving. I'm still, I'm still trying to become the person that God wants me to become. Can I tell you that's a journey we'll be on for the rest of our life? 
Can I tell you that you and I, in this life, on this side of heaven, will never reach the place to where we can say, hey, it's over, I've done, I've arrived, I'm there. And uh, we'll never get to that place until we see him face to face. And then our faith will end in sight. Well, Paul's going to tell us, how do we keep moving forward? That's what, that's what we're going to learn tonight uh, in this, this lesson. So let's look again in verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray for a moment. Father, help us tonight. Give us the things we have need of. Speak to our hearts. I thank you for the joy and the opportunity to be here. I pray for these many that are on our prayer list, that you would help them and, and be with them. God, give them strength and grace. And thank you that Eric's doing well today. Continue to bless him and, uh, and watch over him. Bless Ben Forrester and, and Jeff and Bobby Peterson. Be with them, Lord, I pray. Lillian and Jay and Dan Nace and Franklin and Susie. Be with these families that have lost loved ones. Dear God, please, please, Father, you're our Heavenly Father and you're our great healer, our great physician. And so we pray for them and ask that you would work and minister in their life. Give us what we have need of tonight. Even though we're live streaming tonight, Lord, your Holy Spirit's not limited by that. And so I pray that you would do your work in every heart that listens tonight. Bless us and give us a great Sunday by drawing people in and, and helping them to tune in and help us as we contact folks this week and, and uh, just reach out to people, Lord, and to, to encourage them. And Lord, we'll thank you for what you do. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. It's interesting that Paul begins as he talks about moving forward in the Christian life. I haven't apprehended. I haven't arrived. I'm not already there. Let me tell you, let me tell you what I'm going to do to continue to move forward. The first thing Paul talks about is forgetting. Now, we're not going to start out with that, but I think it's interesting that he that he does that because at some point in our life we begin to bemoan the, the absence of, of gray matter perhaps, the glitches at least in our gray matter that, that cause us to forget. Sometimes it happens when our hair turns gray, sometimes it's a little earlier in life, even in our 20s and 30s we can, we can forget things. And have you, ever, have you ever gone to the garage and just stood there and wondered why you went? Have you ever looked for your keys? and they were in your pocket or maybe looking for your sunglasses and you were wearing them. Well, that's never happened to me, fortunately, and uh, it has. And, uh, but the reality of the matter is um, sometimes, sometimes we forget. It's sort of like Uncle Billy on It's a Wonderful Life. We tie a string around our finger to remember or put a sticky note uh, up somewhere where we might spot it or even record a reminder on our on our cell phone to remind us to remember. But here's, here's what Paul, this is really important. What Paul is telling us is that sometimes we need to remember to forget. Sometimes, sometimes the thing that we forget is to forget. And, and in, a, in a very definite spiritual sense, one of the keys to moving forward in our spiritual life is remembering to forget certain things. And we're going to we're going to get that, and we're going to talk to them. So there, there are several things that we have to do. Our text suggests that reaching forth unto those things which are before and pressing toward the mark 
all begins with forgetting. So let's, let, me just, let me just put these in no certain order. Let me talk with you first off about reaching forth, okay? Let's talk about that. Paul said, if I'm going to move forward in my Christian life, if I'm going to mature, and remember who we're talking about, the iconic apostle Paul. Paul, how do you grow as a Christian? You've got you've to reach forth. Now, it's obvious that, that this has to do with the future. Paul is talking about a vision for the future. Um, because he's saying reaching forth, reaching forth unto those things which are before. And so this obviously deals with our tomorrows, okay? Reaching forth unto those things which are before us. Can, can I tell you this? If Satan would do anything for us, he would, uh, he would rob us of our tomorrows. He would, he would cause us to feel like everything in our past is a total waste. Have you ever noticed... Have you ever noticed that one of the great things that Satan does is that he totally, uh, uh, there's no recognition at all of any growth or any progress. Satan will focus us on the failures of our past, and by doing so, he's actually binding us to our past. Can I remind you that, that the prodigal son, which is one of the great stories of the Bible as far as sinful man's relationship to God, um, the, the prodigal son had a lot of wasted time in his life. In, in fact, he wasted his substance with riotous living. And uh, they, he had nothing to show for it. Wound up empty-handed. His bank account was, was, was gone. His life really uh, had amounted to nothing. So much so that he wound up in a, 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 a hog pen, which is an abominable place for a Jewish young man to live. He had nothing to bring to his father but, but the filthy clothes that were on his back and, and a, a memorized uh, few lines of repentance. And, and yet when he came to his father, uh, his father ran to embrace him. Can I tell you this, that no man and no woman should ever hesitate in coming back to God. Nobody should ever hesitate in coming back to God because the father always runs to embrace the prodigal. That's the story. That's the story there in Luke. The, the father always runs to embrace the prodigal who uh, returns to him with a sincere heart. The fatted calf is always in the stall. The purple robe uh, and the familiar shoes are always in the closet. The celebration only awaits the return of the prodigal. And so Paul said here, He's reaching forth. And can I just tell you, it doesn't matter how far back, how far down. It doesn't matter the failures that have scarred your past. And, 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 and if you took an inventory, uh, the, 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 the bad decisions would far outweigh the good decisions. Can I tell you, that doesn't matter. What matters is there's a father waiting on the porch, so to speak, looking for your return and... and you can, you can either spend the rest of your life saying, thank God I did, or the rest of your life saying, would God I had. When I was a boy, my mother had a book called, called 101 Famous Poems. And a little book set up in her shelf there, and as a child I would get that book and I would read it. That's where I learned about Joyce Kilmer's beautiful poem called Trees and, and Rudyard Kipling's If. I loved those poems I've said this to our people before in church, but one of my favorite poems 
was a poem called Mud, uh, Maud Muller. It was a great, great poem, and, and it was written in 1856 by John Greenleaf Whittier. It's about a beautiful maid, and uh, uh, her name was obviously Maud Muller, and, and uh, she was out harvesting hay, and she meets a judge from the local town, and during that time, uh, that, that chance meeting, both are smitten with each other, and uh, the judge thinks that he would like to be married uh, uh, to this beautiful girl and, and become a local farmer and get rid of all the hustle and bustle and pressure of his, of his legal job. And uh, Maud, on the other hand, thinks that she would like to be the wife of a wealthy judge and leave the simplicity of the farm. And so they both sort of fantasize about what it would be like to be married to each other and live in the other one's life. Well, what happens is neither one, as they stood there, ever said a word about their feelings. The judge went his way and uh, continued back in, in, in his legal work, and uh, the maiden moves on back to the farm and goes through what she considers the drudgery of, of farm life. The judge marries a, a very wealthy maiden, and Maud Muller marries a young, uneducated farmer who's married to his work. And for the rest of their lives, for the rest of their lives, they remember their meeting. They remember the chance meeting that they had that day. And they think about what might have been. What if they had expressed their feelings? What if they had, what if they had said something to the other about their attraction? And one of, the point, one of the lines is this, and I, I've always thought of this line as being, being so poignant. It says this, For of all sad words of tongue or pen, the saddest are these it might have been. And I want to tell you that if you're here today and listening to this message, or maybe, maybe you're going to catch it somewhere on YouTube or, or on our podcast, but if you hear this, can I, can I tell you wherever you're at, the saddest thing is for you to live in that realm of what might have been. Your life right now may not be what it should be, but it, but it can be. You, you, may, you may have squandered opportunities and, and, and gotten yourself in a place to where you feel like that, that your life is not fulfilling the potential that God would have you in it. Can I, can I just say to you, don't spend your life don't spend your life remorsing about what might have been. Take, take the time right now to reach forth, to, to, to move beyond. Notice the second thing. Uh, by the way, let me, let me just say this to you. What reaching forth means, it means something that's not easily within your grasp. Okay, That's important. So let me, just, let me, let me put a finishing coat of paint on this point. You, you've got to re- That means stretching. To, to, to become something that you're not right now, you've got to stretch yourself. You can't remain status quo. You can't remain where you are. Look, if you do the same thing right now that you've always done, you'll get the same results that you've always gotten. The only way, the only way you, can, you can make changes in your life is to make the changes that are necessary in your life to, to bring about the different results. And so don't live with regrets about what you could have done Reach now, stretch yourself, determine I will become what God wants me to become. I remember as a 16-year-old boy, um, I remember going um, to different meetings and God would speak to my heart. I remember in the Jacksonville Coliseum 
Jacksonville, Florida, Jack Van Empey was preaching. I remember getting down on my, my knees as just a 16, 17-year-old kid. I remember vividly weeping that night because God had so spoken to my heart, and I knew that God, I knew that God wanted certain things of my life that I had not yet given Him. And so there on my knees in that, that Coliseum floor, I, I, I made some commitments to God, and that was a huge step forward for me um, to, to begin stretching myself, to begin desiring, to begin reaching for what God wanted for my life. Not, not content with what is, not content with what, what, what the status quo, what always has been, but desiring to become the person that I was not yet and the person that God wanted me to become. Paul said, I haven't arrived. So if I haven't arrived yet, I've got to stretch for. I've got to, I've got to stretch for what God wants me to become. And uh, that, takes some, that takes some desire and it takes some energy. And so we have to do what we can for the Lord while we have that opportunity. Second thing, not only reaching forth, but notice what he says, pressing, pressing toward. Now the word press, the word press obviously indicates that there's going to take some energy. Okay? It's not going to be easy. He's going to have to press forward is what Paul is talking about. And it carries with it a certain idea of, of suffering and, and uh uh, it, 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 it means that there could be some pain involved. If you're pressing, if you're pushing, if you're, if you're having to, to put some energy, uh, it could become exhaustive getting involved um, in reaching the place, reaching forth, arriving at where God wants you to be. It's not going to be easy, in other words. You're going to have to press. You're going to have to press. Now look, we're, we're soft as Christians. Sometimes our church services are really soft. There's no, there's no doctrine involved. There's no expectations ever preached. We don't talk about sin like we used to. We don't talk about becoming what God wants us to be. It's just sort of like everybody, everybody just sort of fits in. And the reality of the matter is there are things in all of our life God isn't satisfied with. And unless we're confronted with those, we don't know how to get right. Billy Sunday, when he preached his meetings around uh, the United States of America, the great evangelist, he would have on the outside of his tabernacles, get right with God. Giant letters, get right with God. Well, the day and age in which we live, it seems like everybody's right with God. There's no getting right needed. The truth of the matter is this book is a convicting book. And as I have my devotions every morning, I sit down and read. I want to tell you, so I was reading through Leviticus this morning, and some of those chapters in Leviticus, you know, they talk about, they talk about the, the, the sacrifices and it can't be without spot and without blemish and so on and so forth and, and the condition you're to bring your sacrifice in. You, you know what that taught me this morning as I looked at it? It taught me that God had expectations of what we give to Him and how we give it. And so it, made, it reminded me, it was a reminder to me that, Dean, I don't, you don't get to choose. God chooses. And, and the reality of the matter is, when I come to God, I must come to God as He expects me to come. And the things that I give to God, I must give them in a way that it, God expects me to give to them. Uh, and so there's, there's some pressing for that. And we need, to, uh, we need to rid ourselves of the softness of, our, uh, of, of, the, of the Christian life. If we're going to become mature Christians, we're going to have to press forward. And to press forward means we've got to endure some things. We've got to get through some things. We've got to press through some things if we're going to do that. 
One of the great books that I've read in my life, and also not only that, but I, I watched the videos called Undaunted Courage. Uh, Undaunted Courage was a book written by a man that was called America's historian, uh, Stephen Ambrose. And then Ken Burns made a series of, of uh, uh, tapes on uh, DVDs on, on uh, the Corps of Discovery, uh, the journey of Lewis and Clark, Meriwether Lewis and William Clark from St. Louis to the shores of the Pacific and back and how they mapped that out. If you've never read the book or never seen the DVD, you'd do well to do that. Susie and I went one time to Great Falls, Montana. We were fascinated there. It, it, Great Falls. And so the word's plural. And what I did not expect to see when I got there was the, was the, the five waterfalls that were so enormous there. Great Falls, Montana. When Lewis and Clark arrived there, 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 were, there were five waterfalls that they had to portage their equipment around. They had to, they had to carry by hand all of the equipment, the canoes and, and everything that went with it. And, and they made makeshift wagons or drug the canoes overland for approximately 18 miles. And during that portage around, around those falls, uh, it took them 31 days of hard labor to get around that uh, during the westward leg of their, uh, of their uh, exploratory journey to the Pacific. Now here's the reality. Had they not been willing, think about that, 18 miles, 18 miles and 31 days, they were, they were, pressing, they were pressing toward, they were, they were enduring the journey. If they had never been willing to do that, then William Clark would have never stood on, on the shore of the Pacific and looked out and said, Oh, the joy, ocean in sight. Can you imagine, had they been unwilling to press forward, to press toward, to keep moving, to pick it all up and with great endurance and great ardor to, to, to carry these things around those falls, they never would have had the joy of seeing the Pacific. And I want to just tell you that if we're not pressing forward in the Christian life, the reality of the matter is we're stopping short. We're quitting. We've come to an obstacle in our life. That's what happens to so many Christians. They, they're moving forward and they're seeing some growth, but then something happens in their life. I don't know, it could be so many different things. But an obstacle comes. Rather than viewing that obstacle as an opportunity for God to do a miracle, they just they, they fold up and give up. And, and, and they stop short of, of where God wants them to be. They stop at Great Falls in their Christian journey rather than reaching the Pacific. And I want to tell you that you're going to have hardships. Listen, you're going to have heartbreaks. No, you're going to have things that you don't understand and you can't figure out. And people are going to betray you. And people are going to walk out of your life that, that, that you spent a portion of your life trying to encourage. People, people are going to leave you and, 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 and people are going to forsake you. And that's because we're all sinners. You're going to fail yourself. So you've got to make up your mind whether you're going to just fold up tent and stop right there and go no further. And for the rest of your life, you're going to settle there. You know the children of Israel got to the front porch of the promised land at Kadesh Barnea, and they turned around. Why? Because even though the grapes of Eskel were there, and even though the great blessings of God were there, they also saw giants. And so because of the sons of Anak, because of the giants, 
they turned and went back into the wilderness. You know what they did in the wilderness? They never won one single acre of ground. They never set up shop anywhere. They were a nomadic people, and literally for 40 years, they did nothing but wander in circles and bury people. For 40 years, they went in circles and buried people. Every battle they had was not to win anything. It was just simply to win the right to make the next day's journey. That's a sad way to live. I'll tell you what you call that. You call that survival. It's all that is, a survival. So many Christian people right now are living in survival camp. They're just trying to get by. They're just trying to get through rather than, rather than pressing forward and, and, and moving on. Listen, do not, my dear friend, do not be satisfied with the status quo. Notice the third thing, and this is, this is where we want to be, and that is where the Apostle Paul talks about forgetting what is behind. So he says, he says this one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and reaching forth, I press toward. So let's, let's jump back now and let's take a moment and, and talk about what it means to forget what's behind. Now, now here's the deal. If I'm moving forward in the Christian life, and you have, I've got a double handful of what's behind me, I'm not going anywhere. Okay, I'm literally, I'm literally anchoring myself to the pains and the problems and the memories of my past. And so what Paul is saying here, I've got to forget. That means I've got to, I've got to stop recognizing, I've got to stop dwelling on, I've got to stop allowing the things of the past to draw my attention from what I should be doing today. And what's that? I'm moving forward. Okay, you can't look in this direction while looking in that direction. Also, we don't have—we're not crabs. Okay, we don't have eyes on both sides of our head. We can only look in one direction at a time. And so Paul said, "I got to forget the things that are behind me." And then he said, "I'm reaching forth and pressing toward." So, so the the beginning of all that—we've done this sort of little bit in reverse. The beginning of all that, before I can reach forth and before I can press forward, I've got to forget the things that are behind me, or I have no forward momentum. And so I, 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 think it's, I think it's very important. Now, let me say this. Paul is not referring to some sort of spiritual absent-mindedness, okay? Paul's not talking about, hey, you know, I'm, I'm suffering from this great, forget- I can't even remember. No, he could remember. That's why he says deliberately, no, no, intentionally, Paul said, I am intentionally letting go of and forgetting the things that are behind me. This is intentional in my life. I haven't just suddenly said, well, what happened back then? No, no, no. He knew exactly what had happened. But he chose to forget. Now, now I want to I do this because this is important. Depending upon the traumatic impact that the past has had upon you, that determines how quickly you're able to reach this point of forgetting. Okay, if you've lost a loved one, you can't say, well, zippity-doo-dah, that's that. No, 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 that's a struggle. And, and, and the reality of the matter is you should never forget that, but you should not allow that to hinder your moving forward. That's what, that's what Paul is saying. But if somebody's wronged you in your life, or somebody's cheated you, betrayed you, stabbed you in the back, stole from you. If you can't forget that, 
and, and, and choose that I'm not going to dwell on that, think on that, listen, talk about that. If you can't get to that place in your life, then the reality of the matter is you're not going very far forward. In fact, you're not going forward at all. So that's important that we realize that the things of the past, we have to make a deliberate choice to forget the things, not the good times, but the things that hinder us from becoming the person that God uh, wants us to be. And so we're, we're being encouraged to let the past be the past uh, and, and to let it go. Now, let me just let me make a couple of thoughts about this. First of all, we have to forget past offenses. Because if, you're, if you've been around very long, somebody's offended you. Okay? I mean, they, when I say that, I, 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 I'm not suggesting that you're an easily offended person. I'm just simply saying that, that, that you're going to be hurt. Let's just put it that way. You're going to have to learn how to play hurt. I read a story one time of Jim Brown, the great running back for the Cleveland Browns. Every time he got tackled, would get up slowly. And they asked him, why do you, you know, if, if you just fall over or whatever, however, if somebody really crushes you with a tackle, it doesn't matter, you get up the same way. And he said, that's because I don't want them to know when I'm hurt. Sometimes you've got to play hurt. And, and uh, I, think that, I think that sometimes our desire is to act hurt, to show hurt, to, to garner sympathy because we've been hurt. And if you've been alive very long, you're, you're probably in that place, whether intentionally or not, somebody is going to make you bleed. Somebody's going to hurt you. Somebody's going to offend you. And, and if, you don't, if you don't choose to forget, you're going to forever be the person that awkwardly displays their scar to people that don't want to see it. You ever talk with somebody and you said, how are you today? And after they start telling you, you're like, man... I opened up a can of worms. And the reality of the matter is um, we, we, have to, we have to realize that our emotional scars can be more devastating than our physical scars can be. And so when we constantly reminisce about the pain, we've got to learn to forget the offenses, forget when somebody offends us. We, 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 if we always talk about it and, and we're always referring to the injury or the person that caused it, what's going to happen is we're reminding ourselves. In that conversation, we are reminding ourselves of the wrong that was done to us. You're not just, you're not enlightening the person as to how somebody hurt you. You're reminding yourself. It's like you're tearing, it's like you're tearing the scab off of a wound that's trying to heal, but we won't let it heal. And so we can choose to live in the past or we can choose to let it go and reach forth and press forward. Let me read for you one of the greatest quotes I've ever heard on forgiveness. Amy Carmichael said, Yes, if I say yes, I forgive, but I cannot forget. As though the God who twice a day washes all the sands of all the seas on all the shores of all the world could not wash such memories from my mind then I know nothing of Calvary love. That's such a convicting, such a convicting statement to me. If God can wash the shores of all the, the sands of all the shores of all the seas in all the world, and I think that God can't wash that memory from my mind? No, forgetfulness is not, forgetfulness is not just saying, well, I don't remember. No, no, 
Forgetfulness is willingly choosing to let it go. Forget. Just forget those things which are behind. Second thing, we need to forget past failures. Now, like it or not, failure is something we're all familiar with. We all fail. I failed. You failed. Every single one of us at some point or another because we're sinners. We're not always what we should be or not always what we could be. I think it was Edison who said failure is simply the opportunity to begin again and this time more intelligently. And so rather than allowing our failures to, um, uh, to stop us and to sidetrack us and become a stopping point, we ought to take really good notes and move on. Listen, when you failed at something, take really good notes and move on with your life and become the wiser for the experience. And can I just tell you this, that failure is contagious. Sometimes if, if, we, if, we, if we're constantly remembering our failures, it becomes contagious. It's spread onto our family because of our negative outlook on life. It can affect our homes. It can affect our churches. Can, can I remind you that, listen, no person has a neutral impact on a church. Let me say this also. No person has a neutral impact on a home. You're, you're, you either have a positive impact in your church and in your home and in your life with your friends or you have a negative impact one or the other. And so we need to remember that as long as we live under the power of what might have been, as long as we, de- as long as we dwell on what we should have done, could have done, wish we had done, I want to tell you something, we're going to never realize the potential or the power of what God can do with us in the right now. The right now is where we should be living. Not only should we forget our offenses and our failures, but we have to sometimes forget our past victories. Let me just say it this way. The saddest thing in all the world is to find a, an athlete to find an athlete who's living in the past. He's not where he was. That's what happens to boxers. I grew up boxing and uh, enjoyed that uh, for the great earlier portion of my life. Can I tell you the saddest thing in all the world is a fighter that remembers what it was like to be in the ring and be a champion, be successful, but his skill sets are gone, and yet he's living off of past victories. I want to tell you, we sometimes have to let those things go, and uh, if, not, uh, uh, if not, they can keep us from moving forward and becoming what God wants us to be, you know what, I'm, I'm not the same person I was 20 years ago. And so sometimes my, my victories of, of my past can, can draw me and keep me from, because I'm living back there. I'm living in what might have been, in somebody's mind, a glory day. Well, no, no, there are no glory days unless the glory's going to God. And I ought to live today to my fullest potential for the Lord. My life's just a vapor. Your life's just a vapor. And vapor is always temporal. And so if we're not careful, even the victories can bind us to our yesterdays. I remember watching back in Georgia years ago, Wayne County High School was playing for the state championship. And Susie and I went to it. It was a doubleheader. And I remember, I remember the great games. Man, there were some great guys that played in those games. And, and uh, uh, Wayne Moxley and Carl Rose. I remember watching those guys win the state championship there in Jessup, Georgia, and, and, and I remember when the game was over, the team poured up to the pitcher's mound, and they were all cheering and hugging, 
And I walked up to the screen, and I had my fingers in it, and I was looking through. I'd played baseball all my life, and, and Susie came up to me. She, she said, are you ready to go? I said, oh, no, this is what I waited for. Just for a moment there, I was reliving the past days and the team, that, 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 that team camaraderie of young men that had fought together all year long, and now they had reached the pinnacle and won the trophy and the excitement, and I felt something in my heart that, 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 that brought me back many, many years earlier. I, I want to tell you, the past can have a way of drawing us if we're not careful. And rather than being thankful for what God's given us today, we can, we can be so enamored by what was that we forfeit what is. And so we have to forget those things which are behind. And so God wants us to stop living in the past and stop finding our identity in what once was. You know, we all change. I see pictures of, of, of a, a younger dean and my hair's dark and I remember playing basketball and things like that and I may not, my hair certainly isn't there now and my basketball isn't there unless people, you know, if they'll not guard me, I, I'm okay. But the reality of the matter is we, we, we have to move on and not find our identity in what once was. And so uh, it's important. Sometimes I hear people talk about what they had done and what they had accomplished. And it's as though God doesn't want to do anything with them now. You know the sad thing about growing older is that sometimes we feel like God's through with us. Can I talk to our senior saints for a moment? Um, whoever may be listening, God's not finished with you. You may not have a Sunday school class you teach. You may not, you may not be able to do certain things energy-wise that you once did. But, but, you know, when I was a kid, they used to tell me that you don't retire on God. Well, what are we doing retiring? No, 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 no. This is, this is the time. God, listen, whatever age you are in life, don't, don't allow yourself to be bound to the past. Let God use you now. Boy, the most important thing in a church in many, many ways, it's the senior saints because they have the wisdom and they have the time to pray. I get, I get notes from people all the time who say, Pastor, I pray for you daily. That's so important to me. There's a dear saint up in, in Inglewood, Colorado. They, every time I'm up there preaching uh, uh, the church planners conference, she comes up to me and she says to me, Brother Dean, I pray for you every day of my life. Man, that means something to me. She's, she's not a young woman anymore working in a store or raising kids. She's got time now to pray. And that's the ministry that God has given her. And so I want to just tell you that, that, that the things that you did in the past, your, what you, that's your resume. Your resume means nothing to, to God. God's not impressed with what you've done. He's not depressed by what you did. God wants to use you today in a great way. And if we're going to do that, we have to, we have to stop living in the past. We've got to let go of our past. Release our grip on yesterday. And say, okay, Lord, my past with all of its failures, with all of its blunders, with all of its scars, with its wounds, its betrayals, with all of the bleeding 
in all of the injuries that were there, I today let go of that. And I'm going to reach forth and press forward and become, by your grace, the person that you want me to be. And uh, God will bless you and God will use you. You're, you're, you're God's child. And regardless of what's behind you, God's got a plan and a purpose for your today and your tomorrows if you're willing to reach forth. Hey, I appreciate you tuning in. And again, I wish, we, I wish our people were here, but I'm thankful that you're faithful. And, and I pray you'll be faithful on Sunday morning. Right at 11 o'clock, we'll start our service. And I hope you'll be tuned in. So that's a little early for some of you that watch live stream. So be ready at 11. And we're going to be talking about the family again. And then we'll do this again Wednesday night. And then we'll, we'll be back. We'll be going again. So, so just pray for us. Uh, continue to pray for those that are, that are uh, sick and those that have lost loved ones. And we look forward to meeting again and, and uh, having our back in-person services again. God bless you, my friend. If you need me, just send me a text. Give us a call, and we'll be there for you. Thank you.